0: Inspired a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm your host Umbreen Khan. In some parts of the country, August marks the beginning of the school year, but not everywhere. At a campground in upstate New York, 100 kids from across the country arrived with flashlights, bug spray, and sleeping bags, leaving their cell phones and the creature comforts of home to attend the Hindu Heritage Summer Camp, located on the outskirts of Rochester. According to historians and camp organizers, it is one of the first overnight Hindu camps, beginning first as a retreat at an ashram in the 1970s. That was at the Sivananda Yoga Camp in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania and it was led by a woman, Swami Lakshmi Devi. It's a fascinating story, but one today's campers don't know much about.
1: It started way before my time. So when it first started, uh, the camp was very small. They slept in tents um, and Devi Bharvati, who's our spiritual leader, actually brought the camp to Rochester eventually they built cabins and they built a bathhouse and that's when camp grew and it became two sessions.
0: That is Radhika Amin. She was the director of the first of those two sessions. A little later in the program, we'll hear from Devi Parvati, the camp's spiritual director, to learn more about the camp's uniquely American origin story. But first, my conversation with Radhika Amin. And it begins with the biggest challenge facing overnight camps this summer managing the risks of COVID-19. Did you feel like you were prepared? Did you feel like you had enough training, especially in the era of COVID? Like, how did you feel and get ready for this camp?
1: Mm -hmm. I would say yes and no. I think what makes me feel most prepared is all the years of experience. Um, every director that I've seen at camp has kind of taken a different path or a different avenue of how they want to lead camp. So a lot of it in the end is kind of up to me. And I use the experience of what I enjoyed as a camper to decide when I made decisions about what activities we would do or what would be best for the camp. Um, In terms of COVID, it was definitely really, really difficult. But what's really awesome about camp is there is a board of older adults who've been involved in camp for so long, including like a medical doctor that wrote up guidelines for us and talked us through everything that we had to make sure we did safely. Um, And so we have retreats before camp starts with these individuals and with the rest of my staff to discuss how we're going to implement camp.
0: Did you insist that anyone who was over the age of 12 um, who was coming to the camp have to be vaccinated? Was that a requirement?
1: We actually did
0: not do that, no. No. And, and did you have everyone provide tests? Like, how did you make sure that the camp itself didn't become a super spreader event?
1: Yes, there were very, very strict guidelines. So we did have everyone get tested three days before. Um, we did another COVID test on site halfway through camp. Um, and then in terms of, like, spreading, we basically organized camp in cohorts. So kids only ever interacted with their own age group this year, which is Kind of sad because when I grew up, like one of the best things was interacting with the older kids when you were little. But this year, that's just like how it had to be for the safety of the campers um, and unvaccinated kids and vaccinated kids had different distancing rules. Um, like all tables were marked in a certain way so that kids were the right distance when they were eating um, and there were masks at all times. So it definitely was a different kind of camp this year um, and it wasn't easy, but it worked out well. Did the kids all agree?
0: Were they pretty compliant? I mean, sometimes behavior and acting out can happen when you get a bunch of kids together, (laughs) especially after almost 18 months of being in lockdown. For a lot of kids in the country last year, there weren't camps happening. So I'm curious, were the kids taking it seriously?
1: Yeah, they actually were, Um, I guess maybe because they've been so used to it, even at school and stuff. And What was important is that us as staff and all of the camp counselors were also wearing their masks and enforcing the same rules for themselves. So they looked up to these counselors and if they saw them doing it, they generally did it too.
0: So tell us a little bit about what going to a Hindu Heritage summer camp looks like.
1: Mm -hmm. It's so funny because it's actually really hard to describe it because the experience is, like, what matters most. I would say it's very, like, religious-based in the morning in the sense that it opens your eyes to, like, puja, we do chanting, we do philosophy. Um, And then towards the end of the day, is just so many fun activities that are still rooted in Hinduism. Like, we'll do India Day where the kids learn about culture or we'll do, like, a very special Devi puja, which is an elaborate thing where we dress up in Indian clothes. But what makes it summer camp is just the fact that, like, we're with our best friends that are usually people from all over the country that you don't even know. And you're experiencing all of these things and all these activities with them, which at least for me was like what camp was about.
0: So your camp of 100 people, you had kids from all over the country?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes even outside
0: and even outside the country. And I imagine there are not that many Hindu overnight summer camps in the United States.
1: Yeah, this is definitely like the biggest one that I know of. Would you mind describing a
0: little bit of your first experience going to camp and what your faith practice was like when you first arrived with your backpack and your sleeping bag? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, when I first came to camp, um, I definitely knew I was religious in the sense that my parents took me to the temple very often. Um, I went to Sunday school, which was like learning about Hinduism, and I learned about our prayers. But, when I got to camp, it was so different because everyone there had varying levels of beliefs and how devout they were um so just talking to everyone and seeing all the different viewpoints was so interesting for me and honestly a little bit scary, I would say in what
0: way how how is that scary i'm I'm curious
1: yeah i get I think it's scary because where I grew up, there was a very certain viewpoint on things like my parents taught me Hinduism in a certain way. And it's like scary, exciting to see that there's kids with so many different beliefs that are also Hindu. So it's not like there's just one path that I'm in for the rest of my life or that I need to follow. There's just so many options out there.
0: Did that experience of encountering diverse practices with your own faith tradition, is that something that has influenced or shaped your own practice now as you reflect back as a 20-year-old?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I've become someone who's less about the actual prayers or, like, making the actual offerings. And I really enjoy Hindu philosophy in the sense that Hinduism is about doing what's right and that, like, when you do good things— good things generally will happen. And if you do bad things, that's like the bad energy that you're spreading and will eventually come back to you.
0: It sounds like you're describing some of those principles of dharma and karma. Am I, am mm-hmm. I hearing that correctly? Yeah, exactly. I'm curious what your day looks like.
1: The younger kids get to wake up bright and early at like 6:30 a.m. where they start showering and brushing their teeth and then the older cabins go and get ready and they start off their day doing morning rotations where they either do yoga or they do um, mindful practices during something called peaceful journey or they'll do mo- move gnostics where they get to dance and some counselors teach them some routines. So we all get into a really large circle and we sing Rise and Shine. Rise and, shine and give God your glory, glory, rise and shine. And give God your glory, glory. Rise and shine. Can you sing me the song? the song? Yeah. It's like they came on in two and three Z's. It's like describing Noah's Ark and all the um, animals coming on. I don't know too much about it, but That's what it's about. Breakfast is so much fun because we always play music. We like call up random campers to tell us some jokes or tell us about their day. And the rest of the kids are just talking with each other and eating food, which is usually delicious in the morning. All right, guys but heading to your seats. Alright. It's time for our morning prayer. One thing that we do is we always say a prayer before we eat. Let's start with one powerful OM. OM. Oh, In Hindu culture, we usually consider food to have God or like life in it. So we're thanking God for giving us this food and allowing us to eat it.
0: And then after breakfast, are there any rituals or group practices that you all do together?
1: So we do puja, which is basically doing religious offerings to an idol. Um, the idol can be a different god every day based on what puja we're doing. And some of the campers get to come up every day and do the actual offerings while me and the assistant directors kind of say the chants and say the prayers and the campers sing along with us if they know it. I'm curious for some of the campers, are they seasoned
0: participants in the puja or for some of them, is it is it a new experience?
1: No, I would say it's probably a new experience for more than not. It's funny and like cute to see them get so excited because they've never done this before. And when they get to come up and offer the rice and the flowers, like they see it as such a fun activity and it opens their eyes to like a different kind of Hindu practice where you're doing the actual physical offerings and the singing and a very traditional practice.
0: When you take a step back and you look at who's at camp, are there any groups or any particular practices that are in the majority or is it something different?
1: I don't think I found a majority, to be honest. I think every kid has had such a different upbringing and a lot of it comes from how religious their parents are and what they grew up with. Um, But every kid has always had varying beliefs. Like there's so many different prayers that every kid usually knows different prayers. So I would say it's all very diverse. The camp counselors make it so evident that they themselves don't always know what's happening. Even me, I'll be like, oh, I had no idea how to do this when I was a camper.
0: You mentioned that there's also chanting. Can you describe that?
1: Yeah, so chanting class, they get to split up in levels, usually based on how many years they've been coming to camp. Um, and we teach them shlokas, which are Sanskrit, like hymns and chants and prayers. Um, and they get to be in a little group with a camp counselor who's kind of breaking up the words for them and teaching them how to say them. Um, there's definitely kids that are more into it than others, but eventually they all like really get into it because they start to chant really loudly together and they like find the rhythm together. There's so much energy in the place, not like just from the fact that these hymns are about energy and it's there's energy in the words, but it's so cool that every single kid who came in not knowing these prayers is now chanting them really loudly and they're all singing them together.
0: Can I ask you to chant one
1: for us? Yeah. But no um, pressure, s- no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I can say a power mantra that goes like, Om Bhur Bhuvah Suvaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Burgo Deva Siddhimahi Diyo Yana Prachodayata.
0: Thank you, Radhika. Thank you for sharing yeah. that.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: have friends that you stay in touch with I know obviously look you went to camp you became a counselor you became a senior counselor now you're a director do you plan to go back do you plan to do this again as a director
1: no I think director is one of those things where it's now time to pass it on to hopefully the next generation who will take it even further but I'll definitely be back volunteering and visiting at camp
0: Mm.
1: Radhika do you have friends that you've stayed in touch with from camp Yes, I definitely do. I feel like I'm bonded to these people in a really different way, um, where we all have a very intense shared experience. Um, And there's a lot of activities at camp that bring you really close together. Um, And I talk to them all the time. We usually try to have a reunion outside of camp if we can. um, And they'll always mean a lot to me.
0: Do you think they'll be your lifelong friends?
1: Yeah, I think there's certain people from camp that I will always be friends with. Um, even if we don't always talk, I know that they're there for me.
0: How does your identity, um, your your faith identity, your spiritual identity, how does it express itself? What does it look like now as a 20 year
1: old? Um, I think when I grew up, I did a lot of the physical things, like I was offering things to our home temple, and I was going to the actual temple nearby. And now I just really really believe in doing the right thing and I think that's because of camp and our philosophy classes and dharma and karma are two things that I follow pretty intensively in my life um and I realized at camp that I don't need to always be doing like physical offerings or chanting all the time to be a Hindu and to be a good person it's more about my own core beliefs and knowing that God is everywhere around me and that if I do the right thing um the right thing will eventually happen for me, too.
0: I want to ask you one last question. If you have kids, do you plan to send them to
1: camp? A hundred percent, yes. I think every kid should go to summer camp.
0: Radhika Amin served as the director of the first session of the Hindu Heritage Summer Camp in Rochester, New York. She's a rising senior at Case Western University in Ohio. Coming up, my conversation with the founder and the spiritual leader of the Hindu Heritage Camp, Devi Parvati. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between.